welcome to Daffin episode number 66. So uh, we just pivoted as a gaming podcast to, you know, to attract the younger audience. <laughs> and um, we'll probably be on Twitching. We are Twitching severely now. Is it, is it Twitch? Whatever the thing that, <laughs> that young people are into? All the so, or OnlyFans. We're on OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> or Twitch. Um, so this is episode be, number 66. We should, by the way, we should replace uh, Defan with uh, just uh, a TikTok. Like 55 yeah, TikToks. <laughs> yeah. And then we do the, yeah, so uh, the, the, the dance do thingy. Hey? What's that? TikTok dance or whatever, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. Yeah. I can't I think do people, it. Uh, we can't subtitle what Ray is doing, so I think we're going to refrain from it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll save you, the people who are listening now, right now. <laughs> so this is episode number 66, um, and welcome to It's Devon, one Dominic. shot of the devil, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. is. So, so, you know, here he comes. That actually works, because I was born on Friday the 13th. Oh, ah, right. Okay. Perfect. And this is a this is a total horror show. So <laughs> maybe maybe we'll just skip like Java, you know, just skip a bunch of versions like Windows, and then just say this is six sixty six episode number zero, <laughs> <laughs> yes. and then internet will be frantically looking for all the missing episodes. Like, what are those things? <laughs> Create some mystery around it. <laughs> maybe that will be a good good thing. So, welcome to Defan episode number six 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 with Dominic. <laughs> welcome. Uh so let's get oh, started. Sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a pause yeah, there, and good. I was like, wait, I should probably say, oh, thanks for having me. And, and yeah. thing. <laughs> okay, that's all for today <laughs> from episode number 666. <laughs> so, I think Dominic, we should rename you Damien for the episode, you know? <laughs> it's pretty close. <laughs> Dominic. <laughs> Dominic, yeah. So, maybe introduce yourself. Um, I'm, I'm Dominic. <laughs> yeah. right, remember, remember like you know we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here you know, so. yeah. i mean we're at episode That's 66 what you, said. you know it's the end we're, we're at the bottom of the list you know it's uh... yeah. <laughs> some bloke we randomly pulled off the street didn't i tell you that <laughs> i met him at closure tray you know last year and uh i was yeah. drunk he was drunk you know <laughs> I, uh, well, despite my behavior, I was not drunk. I, I, have, oh, right. I don't okay. drink. I, um, I was on medication when I was a teenager, which prevented me from drinking. So I never started. Um, so then I like never felt the reason to. So now I don't have it as like a vice that I reach on when I'm stressed or. Yeah. Know, or bored. an excuse for your idiocy. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very so healthy. Hope- very good. Yeah. I've stopped drinking myself, actually. I had Oxova, and now I'm doing November. Um, we'll have to see how December works out, but yeah, pretty good uh, to be yeah. off the sauce, to be honest. What is yeah. December then? Decreased ember? or? Oh, I like that one, yeah. yeah. Decreased ember, yeah. <laughs> Mountain spot. Ember. Yeah. And then I mean, January is just enough, just enough January, and then fuck it, February, back online. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it, February. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Screw this. I'm back. <laughs> and you catch up with all the pending booze. <laughs> I worked with someone once who had um, drinking days scheduled on his calendar. <laughs> but what became very clear was that those were days that he had to drink and the other days were optional. 
I remember, I remember some some joke like that. There, there is a guy who used to come to the pub or a bar, and then every day he has like two glasses of of beer, and then one like one in front of him and one uh, the other side of the table, and then he drinks every day. And then the bartender asks, "Why do you do this?" Like, oh, because you know I used to have a good friend, and then he used to drink with me. So in in memory of him, I'm drinking. And then after some days, like, um, he only has like one glass of beer. And then ask, "What happened to your friend?" He said, "Oh, my friend. This is my friend. I I actually stopped drinking." So, <laughs> give up drinking. <laughs> so, I think it sounds like that, like you know, optional days, and then <laughs> have to drink this. <laughs> anyway, so um, that's the beer, and then games. Uh, so, how is the weather like? So, you're from the UK. Yeah. Oh my god, just... we're getting desperate now. We're getting into exactly. the weather straight away. Avoiding, <laughs> you know, we <laughs> avoiding any closure related <laughs> topics. <laughs> Oh, I mean, Jesus. you know what the yeah. weather's doing here. It, it's grey and miserable and keeps spitting down on me, yeah. <laughs> so How's on that Brexit? high note. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, Start Brexit's non-controversial. Going... <laughs> Epic! <laughs> Brexit's going a little bit too well, actually. It's a bit annoying. So I get paid in dollars. So when Britain does poorly, I, I get paid more because I, I strategically convert to pounds when the pound isn't worth as much um and and because we're so close to a deal people are like feeling like it's going to happen so that they've got a bit more confidence in the pound i mean it doesn't help that people are very worried about the us right now so the dollar is plummeting um and we're not quite managing to kill ourselves as quickly so uh right now i'm I'm a bit out of pocket (laughs) it's a bit of a knacker for me actually because i get paid in dollars as well and the euro versus the dollar is really fucked you know so (laughs) i've had a big haircut recently you know (laughs) (laughs) donald trump's rated my performance and decided it's not good enough (laughs) then why don't you switch to crypt getting paid in cryptocurrencies you know like dogecoin or something so much less volatile exactly (laughs) (laughs) they're gonna be like flat line exchange rates so that's gonna be amazing (laughs) always paid in like i don't know two bags of salt or whatever (laughs) Anyway, so speaking of uh, money and work, so how did you get into closure, Dominic? I um, there's this great little group down in uh, Exeter, which is in the the southwest of England, and I uh, I moved there. Um, my partner's family is fr- from Exeter, so we we moved there for the summer, and I was like, okay, there's this closure group. I, I lived in Wales prior to that, and and there is no tech groups. Like people look at you funny if you say that you touch computers. So, uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, so yeah, I lived in the, the Southwest for a little while and there's this closure group and I was just like, it's a chance to hang out with like technical people. So I'm going to rock up and they were just really welcoming and just very, I don't know, they, they sold me on closure. So I went away, um, for the month between the, the two, um, meetups and played around with this, like play, I hooked up Minecraft to closure. I like set up a REPL inside of Minecraft. Craft, uh, and I went back the next month. And I was like, "Look how much cool stuff I've been doing." Um, and at the time, I was a freelancer, so the next job I got, I did enclosure. Um, so that, that was how I, I started playing around. And I started building out this full web application, and I, I was sort of enthralled by the the dream of Lisp because they had all this um, complex template. Like they wanted to integrate with other systems, but they wanted a uniform UI throughout. And I was like, 
I'm going to just like build up this DSL and enclosure and it's going to be all lispy and hiccupy and I'm just going to output the different template formats automatically. It's going to be so awesome. <laughs> Was it? So well, I didn't get to that point in the project, unfortunately. They had oh, okay. to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a shame. They, uh, they had an internal change of uh, mind and decided to uh, take, do the projects uh, internally in Java instead. Because, oh Jesus! Yeah, I know. Oh, they, well, they were a Minecraft company, so oh, right. um, they wanted to. They already had plenty of Java people on hand. I don't know if they had any like Spring Boot people. I don't know how they were planning on doing the web part of that Java stuff because uh, <laughs> doing Minecraft plugins where you're you're essentially designing games and doing like processing of events as they fly in is quite different to web programming. So um, yeah, I, I don't think I ever checked in on how they managed to get on. I was I was busy. So after that, I met uh, Malcolm at, um, oh, what's the name of the Skills Matter Conference in London? Uh, ClosureX. Yes, that's it. I met yeah. Malcolm at ClosureX. That was in 2016? Maybe. Malcolm Sparks. Yeah, Malcolm yeah. Sparks. <laughs> Malcolm X. <laughs> <laughs> and, it was armed um, to the teeth. <laughs> with parentheses. <laughs> yes. Like throwing them like what are those things like shuriken things? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I met him and um, we talked a bit about Biddy because I'd used Biddy on that project um, prior to that, and um, I made some open source contributions to Biddy. And, and not much later, I got an email in my inbox saying, "Hey, would you like to come work at Juxt?" So um, yeah, I, I said yes. <laughs> nice. But before coming to Clojure, uh, what were you working on? Um, so I started programming in C. That was what I, I started learning. Um, I was really interested in security. Mm-hmm. So C was the natural language to to play around with. I mean, I, I'm from a background where we shun C++. Like yeah. C++ is too complicated. You can't go low level enough. Totally you, just, you just don't understand the assembly code anymore. And Java, Java's the, the devil. Like, that is... <laughs> so heavyweight and just like so bloated and such a you know why would you even bother uh, <laughs> so th- that was so I, I got my start in c but then uh, to pay the bills I, I started web programming so i picked up python um and, and did quite a bit with django and, and um, pyramid and flask and all that sort of stuff and then uh i was doing web programming at the birth of react i, I remember the um, early days of react and it was it's quite odd coming to closure scripts actually because it's like i Wait, but how do I like? Where's my component? Did mount like it's gone? Like I've lost it. <laughs> like, what 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 is this reagent thing? And and how how does it actually manage to pull this off? Yeah. So um, but yeah, so a bit of Python, a bit of JavaScript, a bit of C, and probably a, a bunch of other little miscellaneous. So what was things. the um what was the demand for C where you were so uh, hardcore? Was it like embedded programming? No, it was it was security. So when you're writing exploits and, and stuff like that, it's a lot easier to do it and see when you can bit fiddle and like, just like, Oh, just like jump into this other part of the program intentionally because I want to. Hmm. Were you were trying to attack C programs then? Cause you could do buffer overruns or like, um, things yeah, like some that. Of that. Or... And some of it was just learning. Some of it was just, I wanted to understand how buffer overflows worked in the first place. Like I didn't understand the model that led you to them. Um, which I, I now do like very clearly in my mind it, it, so learning security first was actually a really impactful thing um i have often been wherever i'm working the voice of security 
I'm like, I, I like I have a little radar in my head now, which is like, mm, that <laughs> looks fishy. Like something's off in that area. You need to like validate that or like something. And that's the thing that's most annoying to me about security at, at our company is everyone's always like, oh, d- do this, do that, don't do this. You could be DDoS. You could be DDoS. You could be DDoS. You could be DDoS. You could fuck DDoS. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> don't use most- closure. You could be DDoS. No. Shut up. <laughs> the, the scary one for closure is actually DOS rather than DDoS. So yeah. my, my favorite example of this is spec. The, to mm-hmm. this day, I will I have discouraged everyone I've met from hooking up spec to a web endpoint. So I'm, I'm possibly about to sort of reveal a, an exploit in, in your application if you're listening. <laughs> um, so the, there's two things that factor into to this exploit. One is that the open world assumption of spec. So any key that you send to the server will be validated. I know there's things like spec tools by Matosin and they do all sorts of funky stuff by, you know, illegally using the protocols and, and whatever. But officially... <laughs> illegal. Uh, very illegal. It is, it, I mean, Alex Miller told them off. Alex was like... <laughs> Doesn't get any Matosin. worse than that. No, exactly. Right? It's like Bob like, Ross saying your painting is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like... It that's was, a bit of a low standard, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not like Bob Ross is known like Michelangelo or something. <laughs> He's just a dude who paints mountains and trees. And <laughs> My okay, point. I, I think we we offended Bob Ross fans of the internet. So <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Who's next? So um, there's this open world assumption that uh, every key that comes in will be validated. So if there's a library, let's say, um, for example, it validates a string and it takes 500 milliseconds per character because it's doing some kind of, I don't know, cryptographic verification. I can send you that key and string of like 4,000 characters that it was never intended to be used with and it will validate it. And that will make your server very, very busy. So now instead of needing like a botnet army of 5 billion computers to take down your server, I need one server, uh, one client, like one bot and I can take down your whole service because I'll just completely destroy the CPU cycles. Yeah. So please use spec. That's what you mean, right? <laughs> well, it's an alpha, because, so you shouldn't because use this alpha software. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is episode 666, so we, we, we need to bring down people. Yeah, it's, like a, it's like the Emperor's New Groove. Oh, no, I think he got a point, you know? Like Kronk from Emperor's New Groove. Like, like, oh, wait a minute, I think he got a point. <laughs> But I think it's, I don't think many people will use spec in the so-called production code, right? I mean, you usually disable those validations in production anyway. You'd be surprised. Uh, (laughs) I I haven't seen, but yeah. People hook it up to web endpoints. So they use it as the validation to confirm that the, what's coming in is valid. Um, I think it's a a very common use case. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And even if you're calling like keyword on it, if you have the slash in it, so I could modify a form to submit, you know, my dot slow dot namespace spec slash foo and it'll yeah if you call keyword on that it'll get processed and then spec will pick it up so yeah yeah well i guess they think um as you said don't use alpha software i guess yeah. well I, I think or, or, or alpha was, 2 software you know well <laughs> the, the other thing is spec one intentionally wasn't covering this use case hmm. right they, it, i evaluated it when it first came out and i i got told off for being a very negative nelly which is a very common thing. I'm, I'm often told that I'm, <laughs> I'm just too much of a downer on everything. It's like, but uh, it's like, yeah, I'll quickly pick out the flaws in anything. 
but um, <laughs> I, I evaluated it early on. For, Why didn't we invite for... him on here? <laughs> <laughs> it because it's the final shit. episode. Like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> and closure, closure's terrible, like rubbish. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Rich Hickey is not saying yes, so we got to settle for this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's either him or Dominic. So. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, but I think you, you make a very good point, there, Dominic. You know that uh, like security is definitely an issue, and like like you say, um, you have to be careful out there um, because uh, I think you can probably combine these things with you know multiple variations so that it's not your only line of defense. But uh, yeah, yeah, and often these things are not necessarily like latency critical. And you maybe as you also know, know you maybe as you know the clients, for example. You know, so you you can be a bit more if they're signing things mm. and stuff like this. You know, so you 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 can put other kind of restrictions in place that make it a bit more tricky to to form those DDoS attacks. Mm. I was having some some argument at not argument but kind of a discussion at um, one of the work projects. Um, again, the whole discussion of whether closure requires a framework like Django or Phoenix or something like that. But isn't it then in that case, security point of view, better to have like a coherent library, sorry, coherent framework where you can, you know, essentially make sure that all the all the libraries that you're using are vetted, validated, um, makes it, does, don't you think it makes it easier compared to people picking random libraries and then plugging them together and then hoping it's going to work? The, I mean, security-wise. The biggest surface area you really have I mean, in most applications, it's usually database injection. Yeah. Right. And and to be honest, Closure's story here is the best non-ORM story I've really seen. Right? Mm. The the pattern of parameterized queries is very strongly encouraged by the libraries, even by the underlying Java system. It's just so strongly pushed, and you can do almost everything that you would want to do with that. Um, so I haven't I haven't seen a lot of evidence that it's been a problem. On that mm -hmm. sort of aspect, like you know, from an execution buffer overflow, that sort of you know, the serious exploits, I haven't yeah. seen too much evidence that that's actually a problem in Closure. Um, mm. Yeah, I can't think because Ring Ring does a good job of all the parsing. So between Ring and Java JDBC, or obviously if you're not using SQL, then you're using Mongo, and then you've got to follow whatever their rules are around injection and parameterization. I, I don't know what they are. Um, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, where I've actually seen this fall down a little bit was with uh, datomic queries, where people didn't realize it was parameterizable because they'd already yeah. put the backtick around it, so they couldn't figure out how to like put symbols in. So they started doing like manipulation of it and like injecting stuff in. Um, and I was like, hmm, okay, I'm going to send you some random Eden and let's see what happens. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you can you can execute stuff in um, in datomic yeah. queries. You can say like, yeah, you know, yeah. run course, run yeah. Fred sleep ten thousand, um, yeah. and just lock it up. Yeah. But yeah, I think this is this is something that I've been thinking about it because uh, I remember I think a few years ago at Closure Conch there was a talk by one of the folks I don't know who I mean I don't remember the names um, specifically talking about web security. Uh, I remember and, it, yeah. and like a weird situation that Closure is in for the web security because of this we had this buddy and then friend and a lot of other libraries and. Uh, yeah. Not ha not having like a consistent view on the security side for at least for the web development enclosure. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this as an opportunity to uh, talk about something that's been on my mind recently, which is that I think that Closure doesn't need a framework. 
Uh, I think frameworks just don't fit what people use closure for. Like if we were going to be another Rails or another, uh, I've got to say this properly because I'm on the air now, Laravel. I always say it like Laravel or something like that. I always get it wrong. Anyway, um, like if we were going to be another one of those. Yeah, Laravel. I think it's named after some person, so you have to pronounce it how the person's last name sounds or something. I don't know. Anyway, if we're going to be another one of them, like there's no point competing in that market. It's already completely dominated, right? People come mm. to Closure because they want to like they want to piece stuff together, right? They want to use MongoDB and do a web application. You know, good luck doing that with Rails because you're tied into the ORM and people like the ORM. It's great and you know yeah. whatever. But so I, I actually don't think a web framework is the right way to go for Closure. But what I do think would be useful is for more companies to come out and say, like, this is our stack. The, this is a set of libraries that you should use, right? Like, you don't have to, you know, we've tried this out on 20 projects or whatever. And, like, just use it, right? No arguing. Yeah. Unless you run into a problem of which you can't overcome, just use these libraries. We're happy with them. Yeah. Like the full cross style. Um, I'm... Maybe not full cross. I, I, I always struggle to I'm figure not saying out full cross per se, but that kind of concept. I but guess the, is still is still a framework, right? I mean, it's it's still the the whole. I don't well, know. Do I mean, they say stuff. that, but I mean, you know, his argument is. I mean, he was on here, VJ. Remember, yeah, yeah, he was yeah. saying that uh, yeah. mostly it's just a mostly it's just like a, a curated selection of libraries. You know, but there mm. is there is some frameworky parts to it, but it's mostly just a sort of collection of libraries. Yeah, I've always struggled to place Fulcro, like because it seems like some moments it seems like a you know it's just a client library that's like deeply integrated with Reagent or something like that. I, I've already forgotten whether they provide a React uh, front end or not. And then sometimes people refer to it as if like a, a full full stack competitor with you know like talking about database stuff with it. I, I've struggled to figure out what it actually is. I think it's it's full, right? That's why it says full crow. So it's full stack. <laughs> <laughs> I always think of Velcro mm. for some reason. <laughs> at at VJ. Okay. Yes, I look forward to your tweets and muting them. <laughs> as as you can see, I'm super active on Twitter. So please, yeah. please Comments, send us your letters or, or death threats to VJ. Yeah. <laughs> Please, please write. You know, think, like, write to the editors. I think in terms of like framework uh, or like uh, let's say a list of uh, libraries, I think mm. people like Matosin and Juxt do that, um, yeah. which is quite good. Um, but you know, what what do you think? Because I think uh, one of the issues, I guess, is that you know they might say that, but they're mm, are they what are they doing in terms of like supporting it or standing behind it or certifying it or you kind of you don't want to be on a hook for that to some extent you want to say this is this sort of stuff works it's effective for us but we're not necessarily going to like look after you for the long term what, what is the goal i guess you know well, but what's I in guess, it for everyone yeah both sides yeah, of that that's a really interesting question actually i mean I can talk to it about it from the consultant's perspective, being an ex-juxta myself. Um, so I can actually yeah. talk about it. I, I worked a lot on Edge. Um, that was a, a big project for me. Uh, it became a passion project that I worked on on the weekends. Sorry. So um, for, for Edge, the motivation was really that consultants start more projects than anyone else. Uh, this was like a really like the moment for me when I was working <laughs> um like when I was trying to sell Juxt, uh, not Juxt, when I was trying to sell Edge, <laughs> I was trying to convince people like, hey, why aren't you using Edge? Let's, you know, let's talk about it. So, you know, I'm not starting any projects. And I started this one two years ago and I just don't care. I was like, oh yeah. Like I work at a consultancy. We start a new project every couple of months. So like having, mm. 
So I can update having a, a dev system that's all nice and refined that I can I keep pulling in. That's actually really valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as valuable when you're working on like a single project for five years. It doesn't matter yeah. as much. Um, so that that's why a consultancy like puts this together. Um, it just seems so immensely valuable to them. And they keep hearing this, oh, we need a framework. So it kind of like fits with what the community is asking for. Uh, mm. vaguely along it, it runs along the lines of what they're doing um junkst were a bit more supportive of edge well i don't mean to compare it to telvi uh, which is matosin's thing that, that's um, a little bit vaporware at the moment it's a readme with a list but, uh, <laughs> 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 no no i mean, I, I actually think telvi's really good just to be clear I, i'm i'm working on a thing that's based on telvi actually but um Juxt wanted to support this because they offer training courses based on Edge as well. So they, there's a plethora of documentation. I, I spent up so many Windows VMs trying to get Edge, like making sure Edge worked on Windows so that training courses would work and making sure it's very beginner friendly as, uh, because of that and writing documentation. You, you've suffered You've suffered for your art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how maybe it's... it's because you keep talking about edge and then maybe it's better to give a quick um intro of what that is and and how, hmm. how where is it in the in the forest or quadrants of yeah. <laughs> closure <laughs> frameworks and compared to luminous and all, all hmm. the stuff that we have like bazillion libraries and everything so i think that it is pretty close to duct in terms of its goals um so duct did you did you have James Reeves on Defen to talk about long, that? long time, time ago? ago. Yeah. yeah, I remember when we were on the first guest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is when we were playing Minecraft, so that was a very long time ago. <laughs> um, so something he, he mentioned on that that episode was that that the way Duct was designed was to make it easy to update. Um, and I think what the way the compromise he made was that he would generate any of the what I would refer to as frameworky parts. So the part that reads in the config, um, slurps up your system, and then starts it. Right, like that. That tends to be what people make a framework out of. Right, and you you declaratively put it in your config.eden and type go somewhere, and it magically pulls it in and starts it up, and it's just whoosh, magic. Yeah. Um. So, Edge. Um. So, but most of Duct is libraries. So you can update them, you can just bump the version and it's all fine. Edge sort of tried to say, uh, solve the same sort of problem where it was uh, it wanted to be updatable. But the way we tackled the framework part was that instead of generating it as part of the template, we wanted it to be able to evolve it and improve it over time. Mm-hmm. But if people wanted to go modify it, we wanted that to be okay too. So the way we solved that was by having you git clone Edge. So you could modify it and then merge in origin again and the frameworky part would update unless you'd made a conflicting change. Mm. So it was sort of on you then to then merge the two changes together, but you would essentially still be able to benefit from upstream improvements to the framework part of the code, but also be able to modify it yourself. So you had flexibility and updatability, whereas um, I'm going to get a meow again, aren't I? Duct <laughs> generated the uh, framework part so that you were on your own at that point. And that, that, was, yeah. something we, that was a design goal for Edge was that we don't leave you on your own. Um, partially because (laughs) (laughs) the marketing is meowish (laughs) these are the guys they leave you on your own (laughs) I think it's also fine right because 
there's downsides to the edge approach too, which is that you end up with this Git history that you perhaps don't want, right? My name yeah. ends up as a contributor to your private repo. Um, yeah, that's big... that's the most annoying part when using source yeah, code. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like seeing your name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I always have more lines of code contribute to the repo than you because I've been doing, yeah, I've, been, I've been hacking on your repo five years longer than you. So my think, name is think, there. I think it's going to be amazing because, you know, the more people use edge in the corporate environment and then they, they give the bonuses based on number of lines. And, and I, <laughs> who's this Dominic guy? We need to, we need to shovel money to him, you know, send the bonus for the Christmas to him. Because he's the biggest contributor to our project. Yeah. I mean, I, there was a, like a point where my name overtook Malcolm's and I was very proud. Um, I finally, <laughs> I, it's not mine. I, I did sort of have to move around a bit of his code to take responsibility for it, but it, it worked out in the end. <laughs> Fury name, so you're in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's basically indent. <laughs> Commit. <laughs> the other part of Edge, though, is the stack. Um, so it's it's using Yard or it's using Biddy, but that's just generated as part of the template. It's not really a thing. So you can use Edge and rip out the Jux libraries, and it still is useful, I think. Um, mm -hmm. But it was definitely there to promote Jux libraries. Yep. So it's more like a source code framework, if if that is a thing, rather than so there is no the the migration and upgrade path for non-source code frameworks are going to be a bit different, I think. Mm. Then just just before we go one. into that for a second, now now that you have because I, I sort of I've just caught up with what you were talking about in terms of Git cloning, <laughs> etc. Yeah. Um, so you were for you so someone else, some you basically go to a company and you fork the repo into mm -hmm. a private repo of the company and then you're off and running. Okay, I got it now. Exactly. So now now we've got like better tech with depths.eden. We can avoid that completely, I guess, because you can just put a dependency on the edge um, repo and then you don't take any of that bullshit because, you know, so is that what you would do now? Um, well, I can tell you what I would do now because I'm working okay, on it. Okay, do it. Tell me, tell me. <laughs> so, so Exciting. <laughs> Well, I, I actually, so I don't think you quite, unless you do the monorepo approach uh, or something like that, you can't quite, you would have to sort of like subtree the, the framework -y part into your repo and then you could manage using subtree or submodules or, or some kind of Git mechanism for like having a folder that is another repo uh, managing updates that way. Um, so you, it's not quite as sort of, you can't just use local root because you might not want to make these contributions upstream. One of the things as a, a consultant, we, the, the joke was often, what are you going to do? Tell the client that you can't go to production because the framework won't let you. No, you're going to go <laughs> modify the framework and you're going to get it to do what you want it to do. And on several occasions, I went and like fiddled with the system code to let it like, oh, just read the config in and like do some modifications to the config before we pass it along so that it looks different to what it does. And eh, it's fine. Um, it's not my preference to have it there, but it's there and I could ship, right? I could go to production and, you know, the client was happy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we built it around depths.eden at the time, even knowing that the local root stuff worked. Uh, the You know, Edge heavily relies on the local root stuff to use its internal libraries. Um, so I think to have the, the upgrade ability, you, you just somehow need to have the library as part of your repo, whether you local root that yourself or not. Mm -hmm. I think one of the mistakes we made in Edge was that we made too much be part of the repo. We made too much be local root. We should have moved the examples out. And many of the libraries I've now, I've since realized since, I mean, it was literally, I was on holiday for three weeks 
and sort of towards the end of it i was like i had the hankering to do some open source so i started like rewriting edge using depths.eden so it was like literally like you know late night hacking was what pulled the whole thing together so on on review <laughs> it wasn't perfect first time but we ran with it because it suited us we didn't you know it was our commit so we didn't really care as a consultancy that we had more of our commits in fact, yeah. our clients quite loved it. You know, I've been so busy, right? I've been preparing for their project my whole life, apparently. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so what I would do now, what, what I've actually started to do, um, even even today, I published one of these libraries today, um, would be to pull out more of the libraries into their own thing. So I, I did this morning publish Juxt IG, which is um, just integrant wrappers for a couple of the Juxt libraries. It's only 100 lines of code, maybe across three files, but probably not even that. But it just means that it's on a separate release cycle. It's not part of your Git pool. And I would have made just the framework part be what you update somehow. Right. So, yeah. so what do you get when you when you clone uh, Edge then? So you get, what components did, that you get? You get a, a couple of libraries, which is sort of like juxt stuff. And well, even, even little things like uh, developer logging is, is a little yep. library inside the lib folder. Um, that one I'm a bit more like, Maybe it's useful to have it there because it's another one of those things where it's like there's a logback.xml in there that is fine for 99% of the time, but sometimes you might have a very chatty library that you want to adjust from warn to info so that it shuts up during yep. development. <laughs> and like it's useful to be able to just say, like, hey, I'm just going to modify this logback.xml. And like when you get poor, if there's been changes, it'll probably merge fine. Yeah. Um, why, why, do you, why do you have it like that rather than as a sort of um, project template, for example? The, the reason is is entirely for that updatability because, you know, let's say we're consulting on, say, five projects at the same time. Um, I, mean, I mean, this particularly affected me. So I, I, at Juxta, I had the role of sweeper. So I would be on multiple projects at a time and I was there to sort of like fix things and, and just like deal with stuff. So I would jump on a project and say, wait, why am I getting all these logs from this library? Like we, we solved this problem and I would get pull and like I would merge in the latest edge and all the problems would go away and I'd be very happy. So any bugs that I found recurring across multiple projects, I would then put into edge so I didn't have to see them anymore because I got very frustrated before edge having to fix the same bug in several places, especially when, you know, after like the fourth project, you're like, I'm like, you think you fixed it. So you're like, this must be the same bug again in a different way. And you don't go look for the obvious thing. And it yeah. just became very frustrating. Um, but I think that's useful to the community as well, right? Why not? be collecting all of these like TNS 45 has driven me absolutely nuts throughout my closure career because uh, so TNS 45 is a bug that was raised against tools namespace where if you've compiled closure script and put it on the class path and then do a reset it will reload the closure script source files which is fine unless you have protocols in there which will then mm -hmm. reload the protocols completely break your reset and it's just like this annoying thing and it makes it look like some particular library is broken like biddy because biddy uses protocols and and mm. it broke everything um so it was absolutely infuriating and and so then i've like i've come up with a general purpose fix stuck it in edge and, and i never saw that problem again and it was wonderful yeah I mean, I, I like that you remember the Jira issue number. So um, yeah, it's burned I, in my head. Like the number of it's times like you have I a T-shirt like, that says, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I have a workaround for TNS forty five. <laughs> Talk to me about TNS forty five. It was quite funny actually because, um, like, when people would join uh, projects where, like, we were on a, a customer that had their own tech team that were doing closure and they weren't using Edge. 
I would get um, messages from people like from jucksters on the team saying, hey, I've run into this. Do you know what it is? And I'd be like, fucking TNS 40 fucking five <laughs> again. <laughs> I told you to use edge. This wouldn't have been a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but so why edge though? Because, you know, it sounds like, you know, you're, you're constantly on the edge. You know, it's not like a stable project. <laughs> well, it, well, the uh, the original name was, I think, leading edge or bleeding edge. Yeah. Um, but also, that's, that's be... much worse, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because it, it was a demonstration project to start with. So it would show you the mm. latest in thinking. Um, but after a while, it's seemed more useful for it to be stable, actually, and for it to, for there to be an upgrade path and for it to be incremental and say, oh, okay, we're on this project. We would like to update it because we're now doing more work on it. Funnily enough, I always think of Edge as just a demo project. So, you know, you've, you've tra- <laughs> I was trained in a previous uh, <laughs> previous meaning. <laughs> it's like dog training, you know. It's like the, the, it's not what it's it is, clicker. it's what it's trained to be. You know, I was yeah. trained to think of Edge as some sort of, you know, demo. have been reinforced. Where, yeah, exactly. It, it took yeah. me a long time to get admin privileges to actually change the description so it no longer said example application. It was a, it was a battle. <laughs> Rude example. Yeah, yeah. So, so when you wear your your security hat, um, how, how do you see Edge compared to other frameworks? Then I I actually don't think. So that's the thing. Edge, the frameworks in Closure don't have anything to say about the web, really. Hmm. Right, like like Edge, Duct, Luminous. Other than using a library, they don't actually. They're not a web framework. They they're more of a. They're a template. They're a starting point. They're a. I am putting my seal of approval on this. And if you trust me as a company or like you, you place some value in what I'm saying, then you'll use it. Or, or if you think you're, if you're a maverick or if you're, you know what you're doing, then you'll probably go off and do your own thing anyway. Yeah. Um, that, that's what I was saying before um, that I didn't really expound on, which is companies should publish a stack. And, and, you know, I would like to see more companies publish a stack and say, hey, this is what we use. Um, this works really well for us. This is why it works. And, and this is how we use them together. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it makes more sense for uh, for companies like Jext because you have mm-hmm. several projects at least, you know, like um, tens mm. of, at least 20, 30 projects. And you've been in the Closure ecosystem long enough to see the evolution of yeah. different libraries and you came up with nice libraries um, by yourselves and based on your experience. I think it makes more sense to quote-unquote certify something to say, okay, this yeah. is this is going to be, uh, this is our stack and it, it served as well. So use use something similar and, yeah. and closure consultancies want to see closure adopted because that yeah. means more work for them so yeah, consultancies exactly. ha- actually have a pretty good alignment here for publishing their stacks mm-hmm. yeah yeah so when you're not working on edge what else are you working on wedge, <laughs> wedge. <laughs> yes so john piver has your new thing. cryptocurrency is it <laughs> exactly <laughs> well i'm i now now that i don't work at juxt anymore i'm no longer constrained by the four letters so I now have five. <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> yeah. To, to be honest, it's now got to the point where I've like written documentation for it um, and stuff yeah. like that. So now I'm I'm sort of I've decided that I'm stuck with the name. I would like to do something from like myth or and legend or history or something, something like subtly Anglo-Saxon. Um, but screw it, I, I've picked wedge yeah. now. I joked for a while. Um, John Piver says uh, says describes things as wanky versions of something else a lot. Uh, who was someone yeah. I worked with at Juxt, 
so for a while it was wanky edge while I was sort of like hacking it together. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, yeah. Joanna Antonelli is a friend of mine suggested maybe we should call it was edge instead. Um, so, <laughs> um, so wedge is really just, um, a, a distillation of the ideas from edge pulling out things like juxtag into a library. And then mm -hmm. I'm publishing the, one of the points was to try and separate the frameworky part from the stack selection. The idea mm -hmm. being that I would like to see, um, you know, a wedge Talvi, a wedge Juxt, a wedge, you know, whatever company. Yeah. Um, maybe I should like, maybe I should like try and think of a consultancy and like encourage them to publish their stack by name dropping them on the, you know, <laughs> I would love to see yeah. <laughs> it, a, a wedge new bank, a wedge Cognitect, a wedge. Exactly. <laughs> wedge Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually think Nubank would have a really good use case for something like this, where you know they do lots of microservices internally. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they would like they do have some kind of documented standard. It's like this is how you start a closure web service. This is what library we use for all our RPC integrations or whatever you know whatever the internal stack looks like. Yeah, like just vaguely standardized on it, and you can always rip out parts that don't work for you. But you know it's a good starting point that it works. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Wedge is, well, I, I sort of pulled apart, I sort of had to think about Edge and, and what were the free main, well, not what were the free main, I didn't start with the free constraint. Mm -hmm. um, I started with it, like, what were the main problems that it was solving? How do I tease these apart? Um, because once you, there's this wonderful quote in Rich Hickey that's always stuck with me, which is that um, like when you, when you pull something apart, you can put it together in novel and interesting ways. So you can change how it goes together, which I just think is sort of fascinated me with it. You know, that's, that's what simplicity is really about. Hmm. So I, I was trying to sort of pull apart Edge, and I've, I've spent many months and lots of writing trying to figure out like what is Edge, and I sort of decided that it was it was basically three things. It was a beginner setup, so it, it pulled in like dev niceties for beginners who have never used Closure before and probably want dev niceties on hand because they haven't picked out their own yet. Um, it was a sort of a collection of bug fixes and hacks around things like TNS 45 and, and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> it's got it in That's, there. That, that, was, that was my next question. <laughs> Front and yeah. center Does of the it readme. fix yeah. TNS 45? Yeah. <laughs> it, it might be in the readme. Um, I mean, there's other... <laughs> so well, it's, a great way to, it's a great the way reason. to describe that you don't yeah. care. You don't want yeah. to care about <laughs> TNS 45. I care because it's driven me fucking nuts. You don't want to have to care. You want to live your life not knowing what TNS 45 is. So just... Just like, like, let me take care of it for you. Like, let me, let I really wish we'd had you on episode forty-five. <laughs> this would have been so good. <laughs> I think, I think this entire read me like, what is wedge? You know, TNS forty-five. <laughs> That's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> There's other bug fixes and documents on well. the YouTube, uh, the YouTube <laughs> channel. <laughs> Hashtag not TNS forty-five. TNS forty-five. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe and below. No. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Dominic. Yeah. Yes. So there's other bugs in it's there. It's beginner as well, friendly so. and it's not TNS 45. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's other bugs in there as well. So is it really REPL friendly, Dominic? It's very REPL friendly. I, I, I have a lovely hack in there that makes it so beautifully REPL handy. Um, so there's, this, there's, there's other bugs that fixes though. For example, if you jack in from CIDR, and you jack in and connect to closure script and closure at the same time. And both of those commands start your system in order to uh, start What's the closure script. <laughs> VJ will tell you. I don't know, but VJ will tell you. 
we have skipped the most important question of the podcast, but I'm sure of we'll course. get to it. <laughs> we, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Do we have to? Come on. <laughs> so, Emacs or some other shit? <laughs> um, so, some other shit. Ah, fuck uh, it. Then, well, I mean, it's not Tier ah, 45, so. You were conned there, mate. We played the long game. <laughs> but I am a contributor to Cider, so I, I think I get a few brownie points for that. I'm a, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But there's, so, so you're there's jacking actually, in. So you're jacking in. It always in sounds it all, very sort of rude to me, but, or like, you know, <laughs> I don't know sort of like a drug thing, you know. <laughs> I guess it sounds a bit like, uh, yeah, like jacking into the, the cyber matrix or something like that. Oh, the matrix, know, that's sort of, it. Yeah. 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 Um, but it so will tell actually me, run. Go on, you jack into the REPL. And it will run these init scripts simultaneously, which means there's actually a race condition there. So one of the other things that Wedge, one of the little things that Wedge has accumulated is locks in strategic places to stop you from getting these spurious uh, jack-in error messages uh, that people occasionally encounter. And when they do in a beginner training course, it's very embarrassing to say, oh, kill it and start again. Or even just frustrating because you've waited 10 seconds for your REPL to start and it's just blown up randomly. Um, so it was just one of the many hacks that we've collected. Um, and I, so that's made its way into wedge as well. Yeah. Um, but there's even little nice things in there. Like for example, I, I came up with this neat way where I will run CRJ condo in the background to build up the cache. If you have mm-hmm. condo installed, which means that when you're linting files, if you've already linted the class path, then uh, condo will give you warnings about like, Oh, there's an arity error in this library usage, which I, I think is really cool. And it's, it's wonderful. But it can only do it if you've run it against ClassPath and you've kept it up to date. So what I do, whenever you start um, a JVM with Wedge on it, I'll just fork out to Condo in the background and, and build, uh, populate that cache. And, and yep. I did uh, uh, nudge Mikhail a little bit uh, and get him to add proper caching to Condo um, that's <laughs> jar-based so that it doesn't take as long in the background. But the, you know, just little things like that where I can, I can improve a lot of people's lives by just mm. putting this fix in one place. I just think that's yeah. a very valuable thing for the community to start doing, which is like, like that's valuable to anyone using Condo. It's valuable to yeah. everyone, essentially. Not just because I assume everyone's using Condo, but because it doesn't degrade from building microservices or anything. It's just useful. Yeah. Um, so, so, so the the usage of Wedge is pretty much similar to Edge then. So you clone the repo and then you start it? Or do so, you have a template? or? So as part of the teasing out, I separated out all of the framework stuff um, mm-hmm. into its own little bubble so that as much as possible could be in, in a library form, which means you can update it and, you know, uh, more like Duct in that sense. Okay. The framework aspect is still there, and I haven't figured out, like, I'm thinking what we talked about earlier, essentially, Ray, which is that if you want to fork the system, you do a, a local route and you set up a Git subtree and it's your, you know, you keep it updated that way. Yeah. Um, or the other aspect is maybe I can keep it simple enough or I can build a an abstraction for building abstractions because uh, you can solve any problem by adding another layer of indirection. That's true. Of course. Oh, yeah. That we is devil's abstraction. advice. <laughs> you can have a high order abstraction. <laughs> Like I'm still going to evolve what the framework aspect looks like right now. Right now, it's a lot of uh, like loading common code from ugly places, and you know maybe you shouldn't copy that as an example, but it works for me. Yeah. Um, it works on my machine. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to ship it as a Docker image now, are you? Is that the idea? exactly <laughs> your hint? Yeah, yeah. You actually can't. Yeah, you have to use my Docker image, and you have to load code into it over the network. You have to use yeah, a socket wrapper exactly. and send your code uh, <laughs> to you. 
mean, hey, that's what cloud is, right? I mean, we just yeah, need to exactly. run our applications yeah. on I your mean, laptop. And, and this the, is the, the security guy coming. speaking now. It must, must be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the hosted service is coming later this year. Um, it'll be $10 a month for... Um, <laughs> no, I'm sure it's just completely free, but it's using your machines and your AWS account <laughs> to mine cryptocurrency. It's no problem. <laughs> So it's going to be Wedger service, was. <laughs> well, at least uh, you wouldn't go for Wedgie, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that'll be the next version of the of the, <laughs> of the framework. The sarcastic version of the library there. <laughs> exactly. This doesn't fix TNS-45 and gives you a wedgie. <laughs> we've detected that TNS-45 would be triggered, but we've decided to show you this warning instead. Exactly. <laughs> You're, you're about to get bitten by TNS-45. Let's keep flashing in the rebel. So, so anyway, sorry. So, so yes. So, so it's beginner friendly. It's not TNS-45. Rebel friendly. Do tell um, more. Yeah. One lovely thing about it, and this is something I spent a little bit of time on, and, and I have a tendency, I'm, I'm very active in Slack, which means I nudge people to do stuff. I'm very lazy. I get other people to do the work so that I can do the minimal amount of work that I have to do. So I nudged Alex Miller and got AdLib free. So we're on to version three of the AdLib branch of Toolsteps Alpha, which allows you to dynamically load dependencies into your running JVM if you're using depths.eden. That is good, by the way, because I actually, I talked about this on uh, a while ago and he was like, yeah, maybe, maybe it's one of these days. So you've nudged him. Good man. Yeah. Yes. Well, kudos. Well, we're on to AdLib free. He still hasn't committed, but you know it's evolving. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there was some pretty neat code in AdLib free, actually. That, uh, for example, you can actually search for repos, and it will use. Have you heard of the grep.app service? No, no. It, it will search for Closure repos with a similar name on grep.app if it can't find right, it on okay. Maven or in Closures, and it will suggest a Git um, dependency to you. Uh, based oh, on nice. an existing closure repo. Yes, yeah, so if you search Cheshire, it will find the GitHub Cheshire repo. I thought that was pretty cool, but I'm not using that. All I'm using is <laughs> the dynamically add to class path stuff. So the beginner, uh, one of the constraints, one of the problems with the beginner friendly stuff is that it tends to bloat the class path. So you don't want it to be part of the main dependency because you want to take mm. that to production or actually if you've got your own set of uh, what I would call a, a mise en place. So like um, scope capture might be part of your mise en place or... Um, Spyscope or HashP or like a or Rebel or one of the, you know a bajillion libraries that you've built up for your personal workflow. Um, so I, I call this the Wedge Mise, which is it's a beginner friendly Mise, and you can use it and it prints out lots of messages and tells you how to use it as you go along. Yeah. Um, and what it does is it actually dynamically loads the dependencies it needs. So um, it will fetch HashP, Spyscope, and you know a couple of other things on the fly. So you don't bloat your class path out. You just have to have this ad lib free during development. I even mm. have rebel in there, conditionally loaded. Cool. So you can start the rebel main without having a dependency on rebel in your project. Nice. Um, yeah. I can even then do closing. These are nice innovations, actually, I think. The, mm. I mean, this is, um, I mean, to me, these kind of things are the heart of what closure should be becoming. You know, mm. this, you know this whole Git dependency thing is epic. And now yeah. having this kind of stuff where you can dynamically load libraries, these, this is where we can get away from this Java shit, basically, with all this kind of like fixed class path stuff, you know. So it's really a really fantastic innovation, yeah. You can uh, hook, you know how like everything is a monkey patch in Ruby? Um, yeah. I, I worked with a Ruby guy once who, um, uh, this has been burned into my score and I wish I could forget it. 
So I'm going to share it with you all and burn it into your skulls forever. <laughs> uh, he showed me his... 73. <laughs> <laughs> he showed me this wonderful um, library for Ruby that would hook into the require system. And if you required something and it couldn't find it, it would go onto um, Stack Ruby Overflow Jameson. and find a, fu- a matching function oh and God. evaluate it. <laughs> 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 so that like you That's could just nice. like dynamically load stuff into your app like you just call the function and it would try and and find it and make yeah. it exist did it at least go for accepted answers because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be at least some quality there yeah <laughs> i mean eventually it's, it is going to be like that right because i think most of the coding these days is copy pasting from strike overflow anyway <laughs> Exactly. So, I think that was the point, right? <laughs> exactly. It's just going to get it from the entire program will be built around Stack Overflow. You keep typing, you just keep typing questions like, how do I do this? And then <laughs> one patch comes in from Stack Overflow and then, oh, how do I do this now? <laughs> Another patch shows up. <laughs> I think it's like programs writing programs and then we don't need to do anything. You, know, just, just, you just will the function into existence. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. No, but, this, this, but generally, this is really nice. Uh, I'm, uh, mm. I'm impressed by that. That's, uh, that's something which I think if we can democratize those kind of things, all yeah. the better, you know, this kind of stuff. Because I, I was doing something very similar, and I, I do do something similar for this, like, uh, multi-REPL thing that I use mm. on, on the Apropos. So, you know, and it's very nice to be able to just, uh, just say, okay, I haven't got this library now, so I want to add it to the REPL. Mm. But, you know, this machine is remote to me, so I can't even... Well, I, of mm. course, I could log into it, but, you know, <laughs> that's not what you want. So, you know, but of course, it's a dangerous thing as well. You can load anything you want, I guess, to some extent as well. But, you know, you have to you trust do people. That anyway. and everything has to be, you know, the whole idea of a lot of these things is, you know, if they're player things, then they should be disposable and burnable and yeah. no one should worry about them. But uh, but obviously, you know, for, for development, uh, like yeah. what should we say, development affordances, these kind of things are great. You know, I mean, eventually... Yeah, you probably do want to get rid of that in production. You know, you probably want to turn it off. But yeah, and it it does come in in wedge. Just to be clear, in case anyone panics, it is a dev only uh, dependency. Is the tools namespace stuff? Uh, Not tools namespace. It's but I'm just going to keep that now. Uh, Tools alpha stuff. But the the other thing that we're we're interested in doing, and this is you know not not really uh, it's it's a sort of similar concept, is that you can put closure into databases. Um, and set, you know, come on, <laughs> hear me out. There you go. No, I, I actually no. I, I was actually going to say, have you talked to Malcolm about this? You should bring him on back on because. Uh, All right. Has, okay. No, that's the get... thing. So you put closure into a database, and then what you want to do is you want to, you know, very much like the blockchain type of thing. You want to say, okay, particular contracts execute at particular times, so you want to be able to version these bits of information, but keep it keep it in your database because that's a nice way of versioning things whereas uh you know it's got immutable data git is a pain he has to deal with in the closure world things like uh crux and datomic are very nice for that you know mm. it's all very you know you have the same same set of rules but in fact you want the particular version of it it's really easy to, to make that kind of facility available for yourself and then you can just load it in evaluate it and off you go you know yeah yeah um and, and then add specs to it. Say <laughs> so it again, yeah. VJ. And then add specs to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's you do you want need. that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so keep the database busy, you know. <laughs> yeah. Why is it not doing anything? Oh, let's give it some specs and I'll just, just let it validate <laughs> some shit. 
Like I, I'm paying for this oh, computing so, so, power. So, anyway, spoiler alert that the that the, the crux is the people yeah. are working on that. Well, I, I don't know if it's <laughs> going to be part of crux, but I think Malcolm gave a talk about um, the Holy Trinity, like data, something data code or something like that, uh, which was based on this idea of, of like putting code into your database because code is data and, and blah 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 yeah. blah. Um, it's it's really funny. I mean, we we go back to like another another cycle of, you know, yield SQL yeah. store procs, <laughs> back to square well, one. But this time it's going to be different. Like, <laughs> yes, that's true, <laughs> because it's closure, you know. Yeah, well, you can already run closure inside Postgres. Yeah, yeah. Using the Java stuff, so it's it's yeah. already possible. Oh, yeah. um, the the novelty of uh, things like Crux or even even Kafka Streams is that they allow the uh, data processing to happen inside your application rather than outside it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that actually jives very well with your vision, Ray, because um, the whole you know we've, we've library yeah we've crux. I can already deploy code into it, right? Like my code and the the database lives together. So I don't know if I need to put it in the database necessarily. Obviously, there's versioning concerns there, so there's other aspects to that. Um, but who, who breaks functions anyway? I just add two to the end and start a new one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's. Isn't it the same in in well, I think it's, well, for as a well, right? order perspective, it's quite nice to have these mm. uh, bits of code that have been signed and all these kind of things, and you 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 can do that um, to some extent. You've got more control over how you like the provenance of code uh, on GitHub is kind of tricky to really program yourself. Whereas if you want to control the provenance of your own code, if you have your own mechanisms for doing that, it's 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 nice to put it in a database. Actually, I think. I think the prerequisite to making this stuff work will be um, shimming out Git. Like, so building a Git remote, which is your database, because in the, yeah. until you have that, I think that you're in a like you've got to build out Git again, and nobody and like and teach people to use it and decide whether you want to make a nicer interface over Git, or if you want to <laughs> mimic the old one that people already know. Right? Like, there's a whole marketing thing there that you have to. You worry don't want to use. I mean, to me, I I don't want to use Git, and I don't want to have anything to do with Git because Git is about distributed development. It's not about storing source code somewhere. I think those two things are orthogonal, you know? Mm. But what do you mean by distributed development? Sharing Word documents? <laughs> that would be a form of distributed development. <laughs> development. <laughs> because, I don't think anyone's suggesting be... that, but yeah, it's a form <laughs> of distributed development. You could try it. I think people already did that. It didn't work very podcast well. On, so. <laughs> <laughs> but without the code, I, I don't see like, I mean, Git is still at its core is just like a database, right? It's a data storage engine yeah. and that's it. And then the whole... Mm, well, the way I think of Git is it's just a sort of, um, well, yes, it's a it's a database, but really it's a kind of um, data structure. It's a sort yeah, of yeah. hierarchical um, hashing system based on top of a file system. And then, you know, all you're really doing is just putting diffs at each level of that, wherever you find a, a non-matching point in the hierarchy, you're just putting diffs on it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty trivial, actually. You know, so I, I, I really, I mean, you know, the, the, the basis of it is pretty trivial. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, until and somebody me, does I, it, it's always... I, I really do believe that, and I really think that it's a total fuck-up kit. You know? <laughs> I really do. I think it's it's overblown. It's, 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 it's mental. You know, and it doesn't solve half the problems it pretends to solve as well. You know, it can't do auto merging, and it can't do half. You know, half these things it can't do that aren't obviously trivial. You know, that aren't just well understood mm. bits of math. So, 
you know, and it's got like its user interface is unbelievably shit as well, as, as we all know. So no, I'm, I'm, not, guy, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I get it's. I get the point of it, and I know why it's popular, etc. Blah blah blah. But yeah, I don't think that's, that's the, the end of the world. I think that is something that we're talking about. Like you know, Jack's saying you know this is our blessed framework, and then people using it, and then Linus is like. This is what I built for myself. Go fuck yourself. And then everybody's like, yay, <laughs> we're going to use this thing. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you know. For, he said, this is enough, my um, problem I, and I, I'm solving it for myself. That's what he yeah. said. He never intended that this is going to be like a, everybody will switch to Git and then complain to him. <laughs> GitHub so, played a big role in, in Git's adoption, yeah. right? So yeah. it's, it's sort of that, it got commoditized, right? It became yeah. a commercial thing. Yeah. Um, I think well, it, I mean, the thing about GitHub that, is that it changed the user experience. That, yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, it was unusable, and GitHub made it usable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's really, I, I'm not joking about that. That's a fact, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, <laughs> and, you know, that's the source of complaint these days, you know, with uh, with the people from SourceHut and the people from Microsoft who want to have get rid of email and stuff like this, you know? Yeah, I think on on the thing we let's, can let's digress go into, into a little sort of exactly. Because, you know, we, we talk about source hut now. You know, we can talk yeah, about exactly. it. We're all, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've all paid our money. You know, we're, we're not getting paid, but we paid our money. So let's <laughs> yeah. let's let's talk to other people and then make yeah. them use this service. So me, me, and VJ, me and VJ went to a birds of a feather session with Drew. It's Drew, at, yeah, uh, wow. at, um, at Fosdem. At the, at the Fosdem in Belgium. At the nice. at the Fosdem, yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I got source at uh, stickers. Oh, I mean, nice. <laughs> their logo is a circle, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a totally shit meetup. To be honest, he was dominated <laughs> by this absolute asshole. He just wanted to ask dumb, you know, trolling questions. But um, yeah. he was very nice, Drew, and very you know, mm. actually very affable, and you know, managed it very yeah. well. And his, his vision is pretty awesome. I think mm. um, he's obviously source what is a piece of crap at the moment in that way. You know, <laughs> it looks horrible, but you know. It's it's what what does he call it? A brutal interface, you know. Yeah, minimalist or brutal. Yeah, yeah. I think he calls you it are. brutalist. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a, a tendency to conflate um, like shiny buttons with uh, a nice interface, and and any yeah, exactly. So like it's I think it's there are usability problems on Sourcer. I'm not going to pretend there aren't, but yeah, there's actually less than on GitHub. Like the, I have so many frustrations with the GitHub pull request review UI. Like I, I press yeah, a button and then it takes 10 seconds and then bumps me back to the last page I was on. It's just like, no, I wanted to leave more comments. Why Why are you doing this to me? I, yeah, I, I don't know how to start reviews and make reviews. All these review things are horrible in, in GitHub. And also just, I mean, I, well, we can go on forever about reviews in GitHub. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> It's one of those interesting things, though, where um, if I was to take like a, a Justin Jackson approach to it, which is this bootstrapper guy, and he always says, well, what are people doing about it? Right? Is there a, if there's a market there, what are people doing about it? Nothing. Mm. People are seemingly very happy about GitHub. Right? They're not yeah. trying to work around the review system. So that, that tells us something about either the, like, how often reviews are happening or how deep reviews are. And mm. it tells us something about like, how much people actually care about this problem. They've obviously got bigger problems that are bothering them. Yeah, right. I mean, if if you see that it's a, most of the software is like that, right? I mean, if it's solving like yeah. 20, 25 percent of the problems that are bothering you at that moment, people just jump onto that thing, and it's not like mm-hmm. nobody thinks ahead. Like, you know, forget about all the, all the fluffy stuff like freedom and open source and this shit. You know, then yeah. nobody cares. You shit about that stuff. It's yeah. all just lip service. So I think it, if it is solving twenty percent of the current problems, so just switch to that one, and that's how Jira became like a big deal. <laughs> Fucking everywhere, and I, 
it's it's well, even Jira used solves in everyone's it. problem, so it solves nobody's problem. <laughs> That's the problem with Jira, right? It's <laughs> exactly. like it solves marketing's problem, it solves sales's problem, right? Like in like before you can fill out a fucking ticket, you have to fill out twenty fields in your Jira, <laughs> and you don't know what half of them mean. It's like, well, you know, what impact will this have on the marketing? It's like, oh, I don't know. Feature. <laughs> <laughs> I I think every every what impact does it have? Every drop down should have it will burn it down, and then you select that. <laughs> <laughs> it will burn shit down like everything i i worked for a bank once as, as part of jux and, and like whenever we made a a, a release uh, out we had to like say what the impact would be and one of the options was it will like cause downtime i was like yeah. nobody's gonna tick that box like who yeah. would say yeah my application is gonna break <laughs> it, everything it, no, it's, it's, like, it's, it's gonna be it's fine like, it's like <laughs> oh, application on the yeah exactly <laughs> it's like visa <laughs> application i don't tell it <laughs> yes i am <laughs> i'm not <laughs> <laughs> it's like almost they're gonna like you know, oh shit should I click yes here <laughs> here Vijay I filled this in for you <laughs> <laughs> anyway but yeah I mean that, that's the that's the shitty part with different types of you know software these days anyway but yeah I mean source is really I think it's, it's simple it has all yeah. the modules that we need um I've been using it for all my private shit and, and I keep using these bills and playing with that stuff. And mm. I like that, you know, you, you can also use Mercurial, which, is, which has a bit more better UI. Yeah. Um, I used to use Mercurial a lot when uh, I was using still um, Joel Spolsky's company. Uh, Fogbugs. They started some Fogbugs. Yeah, I had Fogbugs account and that and Kill mm. was yeah, the thing. Yeah, Mercurial, yeah. Yeah, Mercurial uh, by default. So I was using that one. Um, but then I think it became slower and slower because Python. <laughs> so <laughs> then I think okay. Git Git got the the you know less is worse sort of shit. Yeah. It was it was also faster by default. Um Mercurial has gone through a lot of uh, performance improvements over the years, yeah. especially with Facebook adopting it. They they contributed mm. a lot of patches in that area. Um, yeah. And Git is starting to improve its UI as well. We've got things like the switch um yes, now that's the new and one. stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, so they are paying attention. It's just that the uh, all the Git commands right now are they're basically commands that control the internal data structure. Like you have to understand the internals of Git to know yes. exactly what they do. Yeah. Right? That's what it they are. Um, yeah. There isn't really an abstraction there. So now they're starting to build up an abstraction on top of that. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's the biggest thing that like bothers me every time I try to explain something uh, for a couple of folks who are new to mm. Git. You know, I need to tell them, oh, can you please squash it? Like, okay, wh what the fuck is this? And then, <laughs> oh, so I can type git squash? Like, no, you need to type <laughs> git rebase interactive and then, you know, take the head and then four comments and holy <laughs> shit. Like, I mean, all this, all this junk that I'm carrying in my brain, now I need to fill <laughs> that into their brains. You know? That's a really good way to describe wedge and edge, right? It's yeah. like, they just, yeah. that's the junk, <laughs> right? Like it's this kind of junk, right? It's like, we're collecting it as a community, yeah. right? And like, I, I haven't done this yet, but I want to go raid. Um, I shouldn't describe it as raiding. That, that sounds a bit aggressive, but I want to go <laughs> look through the luminous code and like find these hacks and, and like collect them. I want to like, put them in jars and like, yeah. line them up. And, and yeah, yeah. my hacks now. Yeah, <laughs> I think that, that's your the hacks thing. Are mine. That, <laughs> all your hacks belong to us now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so, what stage is uh, wedge in right now? Is it like production ready, enterprise class? You know, adopt pre, thought works. Pre alpha, fully certified, <laughs> fully certified. Yeah, ISO level. 
I saw I, nine thousand and one. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's it, been it, uh, IETF standard actually. <laughs> 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 There's an RFC in place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. RFC, <laughs> so there, there is going to be wedge certified consultants, and then there is going to be wedge certifications. And <laughs> well, I was been in draft since nineteen forty three, but. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it's pre-alpha is probably the best way to describe it. Like this morning, I made a, a change to the API that, well, as a user, you probably won't notice API changes too much. I, I think the user interface is fairly stable at this point, mm-hmm. um, but it's for building tooling on top of Wedge. Like uh, the, the, this morning, one of the changes I made was that um, part of the API contract, sort of like a protocol, but protocols don't quite do what I want them to do. So I actually just load <laughs> a file, but um yep. And just you can load whatever functions you want as long as three of them are there and the rest is like total free for all. But uh, instead of requiring system config as a function, I now require. I'm sure James config. Reeves has something to say to you about that. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, under the hood, require users loads. So like you know, it's it's all kosher, right? Like it's all fine, right? It's just oh, okay. don't worry about it. Uh, here's the thing: I use it so that um, bec- to allow for the d- uh, differences in different system libraries to um, emphasize themselves. So um, when you're like developing with Integrant, you want to use Integrant terms like halt or go or stop or whatever. When you work with Clip, like there's no suspend function. So I did mm. start this by like making a protocol and then every system library added like two or three functions to that protocol. I was like, this is silly, right? There is no concept of suspending Clip. There is no uh, concept of suspending mount. Like why am I adding it just because Integrant has it? So I used the load capabilities to allow it to, um, you say, I want Integrant. And then it just loads a file, which brings in all the integrant stuff and, and to make it transparent so that it, you can just refer it indirectly rather than having to yeah, go to some good. other yeah. namespace and refer it. I use load. Yeah. Um, yeah, transparency is better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it, it just, it makes the experience better for the user. Um, and that's, as long as it's reliable, that's all that matters. Yeah. So just, just so I understand then, I mean, it's a web thing, but like one of the, one of the things that, uh, the problem with the web is that it's everything, you know? So it's like, <laughs> it's like saying, oh yeah, it's, it's like well, a building. Wedge, no, it's wedge, like... <laughs> wedge has nothing to do with the web. I, I've actually, he has even less stuff in it than, uh, I should tap, not tap the desk. It has even less stuff in it than Edge. Um, I've actually outsourced the responsibility of um, stacks to templates, which means that, mm. um, so I am going to build the first version of Juxt Wedge. But I am, I'm trying to get some juxta to take it over and say, like, this is your responsibility now. I have nothing to do with this anymore. It's yours. Um, and- well, okay, just so I understand then. So if it's not a web framework and it's not a tech, what, what is it? You know, so, well, it's, what, what, it's- like what project, what, what, what sort of like, where, where do you, you know, like, why would I go to it? What, what problem am I trying to solve that I'm going to say, ah, yes, I need Wedge for this? Anywhere that you would probably start a system, like using Component or Integrant or your own hand-rolled system, Ray. Oh, so um, I wouldn't bother them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> anywhere, you would, anywhere you choose those things, you would use Wedge. Um, I would not bother then. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not for me. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <Yeah>. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I think you would benefit from hooking up your thing to Wedge because you'd get all the, you know, you get the TNS fixes. And- <laughs> Uh, and the cider oh no you don't use cider that's not sales pitch (laughs) we have no emacs we have no reloading 
it's fine. Well, uh, it, it, I also generate um, dev files for VS Code as well and things like that. I've I've been trying to generate them for the other tools, but um, like surprisingly, Atom doesn't have a way to have uh, per directory config files, which surprised me. Um, so oh. I tried to get chlorine generated as well, but I couldn't. Um, and Vim is just a total free for all, so there's no chance of getting any standardized config there. So you just need to switch to um, VS Code to use Wedge. No, no, I use it with Vim. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so the idea is that it's some sort of like um, it's some sort of uh, let's say lubricant around the 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 the, the, the component type systems where yeah. you want to be able to choose something freely around those areas. Yeah. yeah. Or you, I mean, here's the sort of elevator pitch. You specify I want to have an integrant system loaded from an error config. And Wedge will give you a main that can start that automatically, so you don't have to write and maintain your own main anymore. It'll give you a full dev system with you know all the the latest and greatest of the dev system. It'll give you a way to load stuff up for beginners, and it will fix any common bugs that happen mm. in a centralized place. Like that is the sales pitch, basically. Yeah. Um, nice. But then I, I intend to like encourage companies to build stacks on right. So one friction to starting your own template is that you would have to collect up these hacks and you know that pe but people are going to report things from esoteric environments that you don't want to support, right? Jux mm -hmm. only use Linux, right? They don't support officially, internally, anything else. They For Edge, we did support Mac and Windows. That was because we wanted to do training on it. But, you know, like there's stuff you, you know, I'm not going to get it running on Sun or maybe not on BSD, <laughs> right? Like you just don't want to support that stuff. Um, but the idea is, is that if there's something like weird that you have to do, that would end up in Wedge, right? So, yeah. um, so that's the idea, is to sort of collect up anything that would, well, one of the things that would be a friction to maintaining your own stack, why don't we just put those in ed, uh, in Wedge, not Edge? Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so my characterization of a lubricant is quite good then. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's sort of, it's just like a, a small like exchange. Like you say you want this and you get these things in exchange. You, you, and Malcolm and Cole can have it as WD-40, so it's four letters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what will happen, because I no longer maintain Edge, right? So that's Jack's responsibility now. If they want to break it or turn it into a template, whatever. But yeah. uh, at the least, they can build it on top of Wedge. So I know that like, I won't have to get messages from... Uh, it's always Lucio. Okay. Right? I'm going I'm to name him out, right? Lucio, uh, he always ends up on these projects with these like sucky situations where he's like, how do I fix this bug again? Like, this, don't have this problem in Edge. I'm like, do this. And like, you just copy this code from Edge here and like copy that bit there and like fiddle with it a bit. Like, I can stop getting messages from Lucio. So, like, <laughs> right. So, any other um, any other projects that you're working just, on? Just before we go on to other yeah. projects, right? So, so are you saying that, like, in terms of like, if I want to add things on top of this uh, library, this wedge, mm -hmm. so how do I do it and maintain sort of upgradability? Well, for the most part, so it depends what you want to tweak. So, for the most part, you won't be fiddling with stuff. The only sort of real like fiddle point is the uh, system code so if you want to uh, develop a which is something you would want to do right right you, you know you don't like integrant or component you have your own thing uh, i don't know what you do you, like def stuff in a namespace <laughs> or something like a madman but you know you have like whatever your process is right so you would want to define your own system so to do that you you implement three func four functions a, uh, a function called config, which if, let's say you're doing a defs in a namespace, maybe uh, you would read from an environment or maybe you would just return nil, right? Maybe there's no way to configure your system. Um, you return a uh, start function, 
uh, which starts your system based on the config and any options that were passed in, a stop function, which stops the started system, and a load dev function. Mm. So you implement these four things, um, and then Wedge is able to provide you the dev system, the main, and stuff like that. Um, See, I might actually be able to use it. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, definitely. No, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I, I would... In, like, I, I haven't tested it out yet and figured out how unergonomic it is, but hypothetically, yes, it should be like something you could feasibly do. Um, so far, I've only done arrow and clip and arrow and integrant as combined pairs because... Because we're thinking to... about using Marley for our configuration. Marley? I, I, oh, I would call it Mali. That's the problem of being on the internet, right? It's sort of like, it's like it, I, I say it how it sounds. I would call head. it Mali. <laughs> Do they actually have a, like an, like I a, say a Mali. Because, because that's, because that's, that's the word for um, Jasmine in, in my language, in my native language. So, so it, it, it sounds similar to Mali and then like, okay, mm. sounds okay. Yeah. So how I've do never, I don't know anyway. how Tommy pronounces it, to be honest. No. Hmm. I think every every project should have like remember when uh, the the Linux uh, audio configuration like this is Linux Torvalds and I announced Linux as Linux or something <laughs> like everybody used to use that to test Linux so I think every project should have like a, a audio you know, file that says how to pronounce this shit hmm. uh, like uh, and I still can't pronounce his name but you know how um, Peter Patanasosaurus uh, has that on his <laughs> uh, readmes doesn't he <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. Peter Tsao and this. One I actually met him at the at the closure trail last year and he's he's one of the most handsome men in person. In you know, in, in person, he's a very handsome man. Yeah. Very dashing as well. Okay. Yeah. Very erudite. Okay. You know, he's very sort of well dressed and well groomed and hmm. yeah, very nice. And obviously a lovely bloke, so yeah. Anyway, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even remember what I was talking about now. <laughs> We're talking about uh, Mali. Like Mali. Mali. How do you use Mali and Mali? How do you use yeah. Mali as a config system? Because it's just for validating stuff, right? You you got to like give it something in the first place. Yeah, but you just you just make up some stuff, you know, right. that okay. you can put in like right. coordinates, you know, like where things live, you know. <laughs> Oh, I see. So it's for validating your config. So do you read like an yeah, Eden yeah, file yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah, do you? Yeah, right. yeah. So you have some config and, you know, but the thing about it is that the, the thing that we want is something which is like very optional and programmable and mm. something that works in dev and CI and all these other things. And it, we want it to be kind of like flexible. Um, and everything we've tried so far is like fits one case, but not the other case, you know? People have forever been trying to find the one true way to model their domain, and they keep failing, right? Like, like this oh, is sure. my experience yeah, yeah, in exactly. Django. But we have to keep trying, and that's, that's where we get the, uh, <laughs> the don't give up, you know? That's uh... No, I'm a negative Nelly. It's just not possible. Just give up. Okay. <laughs> just, just give up. <laughs> People keep on trying. You shouldn't fucking yeah, bother, you know? <laughs> well, it's... We've had so many attempts at this point. Why really clever there? people have tried, you know. Why are you bothering? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the most common criticism against me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think Mali's really cool, and they are they've come at it from a very pragmatic standpoint. So, like, I've watched all of their complaints against Spec One, um, and like all the things they've tried to make Spec do that it doesn't do. And they've they've made those work under Mali, so they've been very pragmatic about a common set of use cases. So I think that while it probably won't allow you to model the whole world, it will allow you to model perhaps ninety percent of it that's 
sufficiently good. Hmm. Yeah, I think a decent portion will do us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is the other approach. Uh, Val Weaselneck has a wonderful blog post where he talks about how he put his uh, uh, domain model into a DataScript database. And then whenever he needed it in a new format, like SQL or for a schema or whatever, he would actually query it out of the database and, and query like transitively and use rules to uh, infer things automatically, which I thought was really a, a fascinating way of doing it. Mm. Yeah, no, it's good. No, he's got some awesome stuff, that lad. Mm. So the solution to everything is put shit in the database. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, and make sure that all of your names have underscores as well, which is, is, a, is a Val's yeah. other, other sort of uh, countercultural, uh, you know, he's a real iconoclast in the naming space, old Val. You know? I've been saying the same thing for years, though. It's just like the grepability is so valuable. Um, and I think, I think there's perhaps a, a bit of a clash that I saw in the comments on that article, which was people who clearly work on like microservice-y, service-y oriented architectures where they like, this is not a reality for them anyway. It's just not possible. Like they can't grep for anything. They have to yep. know, grep source uh, in their home directory. Um, and people who have, well, hmm, I was about to paint them in a more uh, flattering light than I should because I'm one of them. But uh, people who work on, a, <laughs> on, on an application that they have coerced awesome to people. live in. Yeah, or, or some people. people. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think what it is, is when you don't work in a big corporate environment and you realize at some point in your life that, hey, Postgres is really fast. Like, you don't need to build out like a full, like, and you can use Postgres for a lot of stuff. You can use it as actually a very fast job queue. You can use it as a, a pub subsystem. You know, it's got plenty of uses. Why would I set up five databases, you know, Redis, Memcached, Dynamo, you know, to do 10 different jobs when I could just use Postgres for 90% of it and put it all in one repo. So you can scale very, very far. So the people who do mm. that, they like being able to grip the same repo. They like this sort of, by having it locally, they get all these shortcuts and they start to rely on them. The, the fact they can grip for it. Yeah. I think that that's the, it's, it's a shortcut, right? I mean, oh, I want yeah. a key value system, so oh, let's use Redis. Instead of paying any any uh, attention to design or you know deployment I think, problems I, but I think or the, everything, I think the argument of Val, which I think is the probably the, the killer argument, is that if you use these kind of uh, like kebab style things, then you're kind of on an island, um, yeah. because you know that that's that's what Clojure likes, but it's what no one else likes, you know. So if you are on an island, and I mean we pretty much are, to be honest, I mean, we're we're pretty much on an island, so we can we can, you know, we can live the island life, you know. <laughs> um, but you know, he's he's got a killer point, which is that most people are not on an island, and if you're not on an island, you're actually paying a high price for that small luxury of having kebab names, when in fact, having everything as underscore, you would you would gain a lot at the margins when you're externalizing your systems, and then. Having it everywhere makes makes it more idiomatic for you, and then you can you know you can win everywhere. Yeah, you delete. But it this definitely is. It's definitely a kind of like a, a gulp moment. You know, it's swallow hard. You know, it's like oh shit, okay, fuck it, I'll do it. Well, I think part of the problem is is the phrasing, right? People don't see, they see like oh kebab cases the closure way. Well, no, because like symbols and keywords they can have underscores in them. Right, like yeah. it's part of the spec. It was always. Yeah, yeah. I actually but, see it but, as the feature that you can represent. You know, camel, kebab, and snake case. All of them in closure symbols. It's, it's yeah, a feature. Come on, but who has who has time to press shift? No, no one has time to press shift. 
That's too yeah, much fucking work. I remember asking a question. I, think, I don't it. know if it was on Stack Overflow or Slack, actually. I think it might have been Stack Overflow. But I asked a question, and I was coming from a Java background. I ended up having, you know, camel casing something in Clojure. And uh, some bloke said on, on the Slack, I'm pretty sure it was on, on a, not on Slack, on a Slack Overflow. Yeah, this is the answer. But by the way, don't do that because they'll all laugh at you. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's kind of right, you know. That's it's a kind of cultural thing, you know. But uh, if it does, <laughs> well, I guess it depends in the, the circles you hang out with, right? Um, I mean, yeah, you obviously hang out with very rude people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but, I, but in I, other languages, I think it's uh, it, it's also the the other languages. There is a syntactical restriction, right? You cannot yeah, do this kind exactly. of shit. So. In closure, we have the freedom to to I don't know kebab case, snake case, camel case, I don't know hot shit case, whatever that we want to use. Well, I think that, that's not that's not be wrong. Though. I mean, I think the default is kebab case everywhere. Oh yeah, so, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah that's I mean, true. Th- yeah. There's no point in arguing that that is that you know, the culture is what the culture is. Yeah, yeah. But you know, but I like the fact that someone can pipe up and get some you know some kind of like uh, support for saying, yeah, maybe the culture's wrong. You know. Mm. Yeah, um, it's got some defects. It's got some defects, yep. even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so let's get back to the other libraries that that are projects that uh, you're working on. Any anything that you want to highlight? Well, I was actually going to ask you. You know, what do you want to talk about? Right? I'm, I don't know what's interesting. <laughs> it's all interesting to me. Right. I think we've had it enough. Was. We're an hour and a half in. Let's stop. <laughs> <laughs> I think VJ wants to ask you a very important question now, but you know. well, we did already. Oh, we did. Oh, we covered it. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. It wasn't the answer you were so, looking for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but <laughs> but what, what type I'm of some of the shit, by the way? So, what so do I, you use I, in your in your day to day thing? I use Vim hooked up to Cider. Okay. So, um, not a lot of people know this, but um, Cider is split into a closure part as well, and um, Calva. Uh, Vim Fireplace, Vim's Conjure library, uh, plugin as well, and mm. obviously Cider itself, Cider.l, all use the same common backend. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm a contributor to that. I've I, I have actually for my sins I did make a contribution to Cider.l in Vim. <laughs> <laughs> well, doing it in Emacs was harder because I don't have like Predit set up in Emacs. Like I don't yeah. know how to predit in Emacs, <laughs> but I know how to do the equivalent in Vim. So it was actually like safer for me to make the because I'm not going to run it. You know, I, I just made the change. I was like, I just, I just need to delete a flag so that it wasn't marked as safe anymore. Yeah, uh, or unsafe. Yeah, I marked it as it's safe. Um, so you know, like I, I'm part of the ecosystem. I, I am supportive of Emacs. My stance is strongly that you should use what you're comfortable with. Yeah, I think that I think the the nice part Cider is doing is is becoming LSP sort of way, right? So yeah. you, you get all the features in all the editors, not just one specific exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. the I think that's the Orchard the aspect is really good as well because then yeah. you can just t- take the libraries as a tool builder. So it's pretty yeah. epic. Yeah. 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 No, Bushidor has uh, done great work there studying yeah. that one. Yeah. 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 That's true. The, the, the thing maybe is the last thing that we should talk about, Dom actually, um, is something that me and you started to talk about at uh, the the event in Leuven, actually, in, in Belgium. Ah, um, packaging. Which was about jars. Um, yeah. And because, uh, you know, I'm a jar hater. Um, yeah, same. And, uh, you know, just like I'm a sort of, you know, <laughs> component system hater. <laughs> no, but I, I'm joking about all these things, by the way. You know, I'm just sort of, you know, not a great fan, but I'm not 
I don't I don't really judge harshly people who use them. But mm. I, I'm not a fan of the jar, only in the sense that, you know, like I you know, see above, I'm a big fan of running things dynamically and in the spirit of like closure mm. and lisp. So jars to me always seem like they're snapping things off and like, you know, yeah, it's handy for certain distribution cases, but really just run the damn thing from the source code. What what's the point, you know? So so you know, you you have something I think which uh, does distributions, which is sort of just enough of a jar. I think you said that was your pitch to me. Yeah. What, what's um, that I, thing again? Pack. So Pack tries to be a little bit unique in that it it doesn't actually compile an Uber jar in the same way that Linegun does. So what Linegun does is it sort of tries to find all the files. Uh, so there's this thing called the class path, which is a a list of uh, places to check for things. Um, so when you when you actually set up a source folder, you're actually adding the source folder to your class path. So what Linegun does is it connects everything up on, on the class path and just smushes it together into one jar. Now, this results in some very horrible code internally and like actually broken behavior in a couple of cases. So for example, um, if you have multiple data readers on the class path, hmm. um, closures behavior, when it finds um, duplicate keys in them, right? So if you've got I don't know, db slash id defined twice. It's actually to throw an error and stop the REPL from starting at all. Linegun will just silently merge them together. And that's before mm. I even point at Linegun's, I'm very good at being downers on everyone. Meow. Right? Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I start every project by crucifying someone else's. That, that, that's just the... <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing, like, Linegun has a... a Horrible. I think that's just emerging. a plug-in, though. In fairness, you know, Linegun is, uh, is yeah, not, it is. You know, not yeah. crucified completely. No, no, no. Um, well, th there's there's two other things it does that drives me nuts. One is that it has code in it for merging XML files, like arbitrary XML files. It finds it's like mm, we'll try and merge these things. Like they might look <laughs> vaguely the same at the end. We'll just smush <laughs> them together. Like, hey, if you don't have a schema, it doesn't matter. As long as you have one root element, so fuck it, you can merge everything <laughs> yeah, in exactly. XML. <laughs> Forget where horrible. Like it's, it's surprisingly <laughs> like I was. I just sort of looked at it. I was like, I need to build a jar solution for depth studied, and but I'm not copying that. That's just <laughs> no, no. yeah. Um, and, and bless Sean Caulfield's soul for doing that with depth star. Like he he has taken on that sort of Uber jar solution, and and you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's still a few things that are like yeah. Don't know, don't know what to do with this. Don't know what to do with this. Don't know what to do with this. Yeah. Well, licenses is a really good example. Legally, um, under the Apache license, you have to retain the license. But yep. um, mm. Linegun just has a regex in it that says, "Oh, if it matches license, and just ignore it." It's like, well, no, you just <laughs> like so. If you if you build your jar with with Linegun, you're actually violating the Apache license. So hypothetically, you could get in trouble for that, right? I was like, once I knew this, I felt responsible. I, I find bugs in everything, right? Like that's just um, I, I love Kyle Kingsbury's thing where he's like. Um, I seem to attract bugs in computers, so I've made a career out of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Accounting up to 10 is a problem for computers. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, where are you at at the, at the pack? Um, so is there an RFC for pack already? <laughs> well, what I did with pack is I went on a research adventure into Java land, and I found that actually people have solved uh, the Uber jar problem in different ways. So they actually, yep. um, they've built special class loaders that can load jars from inside another jar. Um, yep. The result of that is that pack is really fast because Linegun has to like unzip a bunch of jars and then zip recompress them back into one. I just yeah. have to like put compressed stuff already into a compressed container. Like it, there's no compression happening. So it just doesn't, it's super fast. 
Yeah. Um, but so what I do is I pack is a wrapper. Well, pack does a couple of things. So if you're using Docker, for example, uh, we don't need to bother with all this Uberjar stuff. I just take all of the libraries that you're using, stick them inside the Docker container. So Pat can actually generate directly a Docker container or a tar.gz uh, for import into Docker. Uh, it can even, I think, even upload it to Google automatically for you. If you have a Docker registry, it can actually just push it straight to the registry. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't even need to bother with that Uberjar stuff. So I will preserve the class path in earnest. So we don't have to merge any files together. Yeah. Uh, if you're uploading to AWS Lambda, then they actually take a zip file containing a uh, lib file, a lib folder with jars in. So I just, um, if you have any Git dependencies, I turn them into jars and then I yep. put them in a zip folder and upload it. So that, you know, there's no problem. When you want something a bit more Uber jar like, I use one of these funky class loaders, um, which will pull out jars from inside jars. Yeah. Um, so so you don't have this sort of, you don't have to worry about how do I merge together these things because the responsibility of merging things together is actually on the the library that wants to consume those things. So mm. Clojure has defined behavior for what happens if you have multiple copies of a namespace on the class path. It uses mm. the first one, period. Yeah. If you have multiple data readers.clj on the class path, it merges them together in a particular way. It's not just merge. It's like merge with if there's a conflict, blow up. Mm. Um, and, and it's the same But I think, didn't Alex do a talk about this recently, about what it does with versions, like the Maven-type versions as well, that are slightly different? Does it the closure yeah. tray and the keynote? Mm. Yeah, he also gave a talk at um, was it in Bratislava? One of the 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 closure Europe thing before it was um, finished, um, where he he talked about the algorithm. Yeah, so that that's really about which jar you pick. So that's about picking the latest um, mm. and making sure you don't have conflicting versions of the same artifact. But hypothetically, I mean, I, I've seen this in the wild because I've, I've contributed to CLJ Doc a little bit. Um, there was I don't know if Oz still does this, but there were versions of Oz that included Cheshire. He mm. just bundled the Cheshire source code as part of Oz, which meant that if you then depended on Oz, you would get not necessarily the version of Cheshire you thought you were getting. <laughs> uh, and and Cheshire's built on top of Jackson, which is like infamously sensitive to this sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so you would have all sorts of like weird shit going on and head scratching it it's because Oz was bringing in its own copies of Cheshire and Jackson. Yeah. So... Yeah, so that's that's what depths.eden takes care of. What Pack's really doing is well, Pack's Pack's handling um like oh Oz well Pack is not having a decision about what happens when um when you have two copies of Cheshire on the class path. Closure is responsible for that, right? Yeah. Uh, rather than Linegun being responsible or Depstar or Boot or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is really good. I think I never got to this point in the conversation with you no. because now I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were just discussing problems, then we end, end up yeah. going our separate ways. But yeah, this is good. Yeah, so you, you, I like the idea of, like you say, going out there and finding out who solved the problem and just bringing yeah. it in. That's really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I, I try and if there's anything I could impart onto, I guess this is the wrong podcast for imparting some wisdom towards the end. But uh, <laughs> that's I'll do true. It anyway, that's very yeah, true. Look, look at prior art. It, there's so much prior art and good stuff to copy out there. Like just just go and investigate before you sort of jump on a solution. It's, it's, so often there's just like a very easy solution that someone else has already done the hard thinking for. Um, yeah. or, or nudge Alex Miller and Mikhail and other people on Slack <laughs> to get them to do the hard work for you. It is wonderful too. <laughs> Always delegate. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Right. Just... Either to the past or to the future. <laughs> Never do anything in the present. Exactly. You've got a wonderful career and management ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> nice. So, I think on that bombshell, go and check out um, Wedge and um, pack your wedges, I think. Um, I think that's it from us for, uh, wow, that's a one hour, 40 minutes. Mm, hopefully, we'll um, we'll remove racetrack and my track, so it will be much thinner by, you know, <laughs> by eliminating the redundant <laughs> shit from the podcast. <laughs> it will pack very tightly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to, to load it faster, you know, <laughs> and makes it better. So that's it from uh, from us for today. Thank you, Dominic, for, for joining us and, uh, you know, uh, imparting your little bit of wisdom and uh, mostly complaining about other shit. And, yeah. um, yes. Meow. Meow, meow. Funnily yeah. <laughs> <laughs> enough, we've all got dogs, but, you know, we ended up yeah, being quite a catty program. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, barking down a microphone causes clipping. It's just horrible. So, you know, meow. <laughs> so cats are more um, podcast friendly. <laughs> yeah, they're more microphone friendly. Yeah. Anyway. But just just a, just a final word there, Dominic. I mean, it's really nice to you know to you know to talk to you and to hear from you because you know you you are so, someone that's fresh in the community and you know mm. um, it's nice to have you know, people like yourself. I think your age group, you know, like people like Val and people like ten that, to fifteen. Are, <laughs> yeah, ten, ten to fifteen. <laughs> barely legal. Let's call you. <laughs> Who's playing uh, among then, us? <laughs> you know, then uh, it's nice to hear from you know people of the of, uh, of a younger age group and, and who's, who's got good ideas, bringing something new to the to the programming culture and to the closure community. So yeah, keep going. And obviously, we are here to tell you that you know don't do that because you'll be laughed at, just like what <laughs> Ray heard when he said not, not to use the kebab case. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> what? <laughs> You look like you just knocked your laptop over or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's gone nuts. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, in all seriousness, um, I, I agree with Ray. I think that the, yeah. the newer ideas coming into the community is the most important thing, like fresh fresh um, look at the things. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, we didn't even get to my plans for world domination yet. That's true. I've got, like a, I've got like wedge, wedge We're is gonna just have the beginning. Back, you know? <laughs> I, I have a like I actually have a full roadmap for like I, I am going to tackle the web framework problem at some point, right? Like I have okay. I have a plan, I have notes in place, but it's like wedge, you know, wedge is at the bottom, and then I need a database <laughs> in place. So I, I think I'm going to make Redis my primary database, and then I'm going to have a web framework that, that does stuff. It's like Yada. I can't Let's call it talk Yada about too, Redis offline then, because you shouldn't yeah. do that. Okay. <laughs> Cool. On that bombshell, <laughs> we end episode number 666 <laughs> with, with Dominic. And the silent six. <laughs> yes. The six is silent. <laughs> so That's thank you, Dominic. Thanks. There. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks thanks Dem- for coming six, on the six, show. 666 with Dominic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We should, we should stop. Um, yeah demonizing dominic all right uh, thanks for having me yeah and then go check out um wedge on source hut uh, we'll post the links to the stuff in the show notes and yeah, follow him on, the, on, on twitter links, yeah yeah we, we're really good at posting links um <laughs> if if we can't figure the shit out then please uh, write to write to us in um in writing P.O. Box number 666, somewhere in Europe. <laughs> Deafen.
I mean, everybody knows me in, in Europe, so it's pretty easy. Um, <laughs> anyway, thank you. And um, I hope uh, the people who are listening, uh, you guys are staying safe. And um, we wish to bring you a couple of more episodes before this um, year um, finishes, which seems to be running forever. Um, <laughs> and then good luck out there with the, with the stuff. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Defan and the awesome vegetarian music or the track is Melon Hamburger by Pizzeri and the show's audio is mixed by Walter Dullert. I'm pretty sure I butchered his name. Um, maybe you should insert your own name here, Dullert. Wow, sir. If you'd like to support us, uh, please do check out our Patreon page and you can show your appreciation to all the hard work or the lack of hard work that we're doing. And um, you can also catch up with uh, either Ray, with me, for some unexplainable reason. Uh, you want to interact with us, then uh, do check us out on Slack, Closure in Slack or Closureverse, or on Zulip, or just at us at Defen Podcast on Twitter. Enjoy your day and see you in the next episode. I think this will this will resonate with the younger generation, right? Oh, these guys are <laughs> talking about uh, Among Us, and <laughs> so finally, that demographic is covered. You know, ten to fifteen age range people who are trying closure for the first time. So well, now anyways, now I know what the age range is, and Ray said I was in that age range. I felt a bit uncomfortable in ten to fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> You've misjudged that slightly, Ray. <laughs>